Welcome to this week's episode of Safe Room, bloody disgusting.com's Dead Pixels horror video game podcast, delivering a horrifying new episode every Saturday. I am one of your hosts, Neil Ball. And I'm Jay Krieger. Yes, the opposite way around this time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this week, we are talking about survival games. It's a genre that has spawned plenty of uh, horror sort of games in, in itself, but the very core of it is something that is very important to horror from the early days it is an essential part of survival horror of course and the item management and you know being down to your last bullet or not having enough uh, health you know herbs for your health that that was there survival games took that to the next level where you need everything you know you need not just to figure out how many bullets you have or what armor you have you need to make sure you have the right home to live in the right surround you know the right backpack size and stemming bleeding and making sure you don't die of dysentery you know that came back all the way back again from the oregon trail days mm-hmm. and so yeah being that it has had such an impact on horror in the last sort of decade or two in the last console generation or two even it's uh certainly something i've always wanted to talk about with, with us and for me, Minecraft's the first sort of real introduction to the survival subgenre. And back then it felt so alien to me, you know, that yet so familiar, as I said, because it had those roots in survival horror games where you, and you have that sort of, even the arcades, if you will, where, you know, you only have this much and, you know, if you fail, you're going to have to put something back into it. But it explored it in that new way. Much of what makes it great in a lot of those cases and in Minecraft especially is the ambiguity that you have at the beginning of a survival game where you're not sure about any of this stuff I mean to this day I've played hundreds of hours of Minecraft and still don't understand most of the things towards the end of that it's deeper than it looks and yes you can say what's the point is often a criticism of survival games well it's in the title survive (laughs) Yeah, that's it. Um, you don't have to go killing some great big bad, you know, at the end of it all. It's the idea of just seeing how long can you keep going in harsh conditions. And Minecraft was the first time it really was a, made a very intense experience it's for me, where you just really felt like you were in danger, you know, in that, that opening night, where, you know, how do, how do I get away from the darkness and you have to survive the darkness and it's not it was very naturally done where you don't have this whole you know oh here's a timer saying you know it's this many hours till the dark is over and then you come back like that it was truly something overwhelming and I've been drawn to that side of it in many games have copied and sort of gone on to do more with it you know since Um, for you where did you sort of come in with survival so I would say that to kind of like payback off of your first experience, it was very much along the lines of something exactly like Minecraft, right? This idea that you're coming to it and when you try to explain to people what you like about survival games, I think it feeds into that criticism, the number one criticism that Minecraft used to get a lot, which is like, what's the point? Oh, that sounds so simple. You just have to survive. But it's the way in which Minecraft and then some other titles we'll get into in a little bit, the ways in which they make the mundane 
essential to survival in a way that is backed up by gameplay that is simplistic, but there's some depth there, right? And I think that something like Minecraft, especially when you start, and I'm thinking about all the way back in the day when we didn't have this abundance of guides, you really had to experiment. And chances are you didn't live for very long because in that experimentation, you were learning. And there was usually a short life attributed to that because you were not kind of like realize, oh, this is how you make certain things or just sort of the bare bones fundamentals where, okay, I have to have shelter. It's sort of the most basic things, but you tend to overthink it because of how rare it is in games that you have to really worry about things like that. Um, So Minecraft was definitely the same for me where kind of that first intensity where when the sun starts going down, I don't know if you had the same experience. I knew nothing going in other than this is a world where you can build things and then, oh, they included the survival mode. And so I was like, oh, cool, there'll be some monsters. But then I was taken aback by like the sun going down slowly. And then you start hearing sort of like the uh, little rustlings around in the area and stuff. And then, <laughs> holy shit, all of a sudden there's a spider and it's it's as big as me almost. And it's coming to get me and I don't have any weapons and I don't know how to make anything. And I lasted probably like 25 minutes or something just running around punching trees. <laughs> um, but that experience adding a horror kind of like fear element to it, it really kind of pushed me to mass to try at least to master the survival elements as quickly as possible. So that way I could get to maybe like the next stage of survival, which is, okay, I have this sort of repertoire of the types of sort of bare bones fundamentals and starting a base, making a shelter, having a door so that way nothing can get me until the next morning. And now I have to craft weapons and the ways to get food and all of these things. And Again, it's simplistic, but there are many layers to those games. And to like you had said, I mean, that's a game you could spend a thousand hours in, right? And yeah. sure, you're going to use some uh, online guides probably to figure out how to craft things in a quicker fashion. But I think back to the older days of Minecraft where there was that experimentation and the reward was so much higher, I felt. Um, not to say like the stuff that they've been doing and the updates and all of that hasn't enriched the experience or made it more user friendly, but... I think back to the early days of that game when you had the reward was so high because you had to risk everything in experimentation. And that's something that I think has always really stuck with me because before I came to survival games, like I was as a kid, I loved survival novels, right? Stuff like Hatchet or uh, My Side of the Mountain, things like that, where it's all about survival and it's down to the bare necessities. You're on your own. And if you don't, you're going to be in a bad way pretty quickly. And I think Minecraft did such a good job of capturing that and not holding your hand. Uh, And you really had to go out of your way to try something that might seem illogical or maybe just you were like, hey, I'm just going to click around with some of these resources in this crafting box. And the first time I made, what was it? It was an axe. I made it by accident, of course, because the first thing I made was like (laughs) a sword and then I was chopping trees down with the sword for an hour. And I was like, there's got to be a better way than this. <laughs> and so through that experimentation, I was like, it was amazing to me that, oh, I just crafted this new thing. And as soon as you really learn through playing, not having to be told, that's such a holy shit moment. Because then it just makes you want to go back and try even more things and more outrageous sort of uh, item patterns or resource patterns in the crafting chart. Because then it's like, well... If that made an axe, maybe I can find something that helps me like pick crops better or something to that effect. And I think that that is a really, really rewarding uh, element to Minecraft that I don't necessarily know it gets enough credit for. And I think it's a perfect starting point for our uh, chat on survival and how survival has bled into horror games in a big way. And 
stuff like Minecraft definitely uh, should not be overlooked in that regard. Yeah, I mean, as you point out there, um, it has bled very much into horror, and it goes hand in hand very much with that, because survival games are essentially sandbox survival horror games at their core. You know, whether there are monsters or not, no matter how cutesy it might end up looking, the main element there is you will die if you don't get these resources and this is a problem you have to deal with this 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 and this and it becomes quite crazy in that regards um yeah you need to find and create everything you need usually in order to persevere and they all pretty much follow a similar pattern in that regard which is why you know saturation becomes such a thing because many don't learn beyond that Mm -hmm. but which is you know you start with nothing, next to nothing, and gradually they attain more power, like in a survival horror, to the point where you get to whatever that game's end game is, you know, and that has become a more prevalent thing in the years since the criticisms of Minecraft, not having an ending and then slapping one in where you have to go defeat the Ender Dragon. You know, you're basically suiting up for the big finale, and it, in that way, it's so reminiscent of those survival horror experiences of the past where, you know, you you are so relatively helpless to begin with and counting every bullet and looking for every herb and by the end of it you're carrying guns twice your size and <laughs> and racing to avoid nuclear apocalypse but uh, it, it, it's amazingly similar and I think that as I said that becomes such a huge part of why it resonates I think with a lot of horror fans and why so many games end up being you know horror based in that genre don't you think mm. yeah and i think that the you mentioning like with minecraft that the ending the true like ending with the ender dragon things like that being slapped on right the idea yeah. is is that people were spending hundreds and thousands of hours playing this game before that element was even added or included yeah. and i think that that's an important distinction to make because the survival element could conceivably go on forever right this idea that you're just going to keep being in this loop but they, the game actually supported the content for hundreds of hours where you could keep discovering things and you could keep learning and evolving on certain things. And that's just a testament to a survival game that really puts the player's own fate in their hands in a way that I really like, that doesn't artificially sort of increase necessarily the difficulty or start on day 30 or day 50, start throwing bigger and bigger threats at you. It's mm. more about leaving the player to really sort of like hone their sort of survival skills and resource management and things. And then when they feel ready, they can go and they can tackle these bigger threats. And I think that in allowing the player to really master the gameplay mechanics that are there, it's yeah. it doesn't feel like there is anything more than just survival. I think that that's important. You, I think that there's sometimes a distinction between like, okay, this is a survival game or am I just sort of gearing up for the big conquest thing, which I think... If that was always the case from the very beginning, I don't know that the mechanics would be as refined as they feel in something like Minecraft. But yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I'm just thinking back to like my first time running around in the middle of the night when I built the shelter, but then I didn't put a door on it. And then that resulted in me running around for 30 minutes till the sun came <laughs> up and getting chased by spiders and getting chased by uh, creepers and whatnot, which we have to mention creepers for a game that is very cutesy looking. Creepers are fucking terrifying. The fact that they sneak up on you and then all you hear is a hissing. You turn around and then you're basically dead. I mean, that's one of the all-time yeah. great like survival horror monsters in uh, in my mind, at least. 
Yeah, I mean, it's so impactful the first time you hear that. It sort of hisses it and you're like, what is that? I'm back. <laughs> and then later, you, it comes to become a sort of dread thing, you no know, how dull to it you are. But you hear it and you're like, oh, shit, shit, shit. And usually because it's you know, less about, oh, it's, I'm going to lose everything and die, it then becomes more like, oh, I'm too close to my house and it's going to blow half of it up and I'm going to have to remake it now and all that. But yeah, and then other things like, I remember distinctly in that my first night there where you could hear the sound of zombies, you know, their moans, you know, down there. And like, I had like, I didn't have a door even. I had like one block space so I could see out, um, which you soon learn is not good when skeletons go around. Right. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I couldn't see any zombies out. I thought, is it on the roof? That? And you know, one till later when I went digging below where I was, I found out there was like a little cave just underneath where I was, and that's where they were. And the discovery of caves then was just like, wow, there's really just there are literally layers to this game. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's a, like that, and the mining thing really does. Come, it's, it's stupid to think that you think, oh yeah, you dig, dig, dig into the side of mountains and stuff. You don't necessarily think, oh right, right below me there could be like a cavern that's like you know, absolutely huge and. That in itself was daunting, there's darkness, and you don't quite know how many of what's down there, and especially in those early hours, you don't know how many of different kinds of enemies you haven't met yet, and you know, they're adding to that all the time. And it's, yeah, quite unnerving going into that, into that dark. And it's clear that a lot of developers in the indie space took that to heart, especially horror ones, and, and thought, well, we got something here, you know? Like, it's, we've discussed on this podcast before about, you know, the, the likes of Amnesia being very uh, influential in the resurrection of horror for big game companies to sort of look at it again and go, hang on, actually, it is doing all right. You know, we convinced ourselves this isn't a, a genre worth bothering with as much anymore, hence why games like Resident Evil went the way they did. Mm. And the other side of that was survival games. Um, as much as they aren't a thing as much anymore, and uh, it's definitely slowed down a lot in terms of know how many there are and you get ones that actually focus on their own things now at one point it was just like every game had to have it every game you know and I mean famously I think it sort of that run ended with the long gestating Fortnite which ended up as it was then and still is in a smaller portion now was a co-op survival game you know and which again another one I've put many hours into um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know that ironically enough that was pretty much killed by the next big craze in games which ended yeah. up being the battle royale game yep. um not that again strange connections with the um you know that genre actually when thinking about it when you think daisy um has its connection with h1z1 and all that and um how that led to making pubg and like that, and that led, you know, saved the world in Fortnite and became, they had the spin-off mode of Battle Royale. It's, yeah, two big survival games at that time, you know, one was very hyped and under-delivered because people were bored of them by that time in Fortnite, and, you know, Daisy was like this big, exciting thing, and especially in the PC space, because it was having these great encounters with other players, you know, which was again a thing that was not really explored so much at that point and both sort of got usurped by you know, the things that span off from them if you will and it's 
it felt like the perfect sort of end point for that sort of run, you know, in a way. And anyway, we got games after that that have you know, gained popularity in the years in uh, between that, like Rust, like um, The Forest, as we said, The Long Dark. Mm-hmm. Those games that have taken their own little approach to it. But um, yeah, it, it is very strange. <laughs> it's, that's, it sort of birthed an entirely different genre again, you know, after all those years, which I think is probably done that for a lot of things you know i mean we'll get into that later about how it you know a lot of these things did end up becoming a normal part of every game mm. uh, because that's very much become what the gaming industry ends up being you know one genre has a good idea so the big games use all those ideas yeah. you know? and um i think what i'd like to sort of discuss is in terms of horror in this is there are different types of horror in the in these survival games over the years we've just sort of um touched on minecraft there and i said that's part of the pack of games that sort of deal in isolation mm. you know if you will much as you can have friends now and like that with that there are games that sort of deal with that i am alone in this environment the forest is another one you know you are trapped on this island with a bunch of cannibals and you know it's quite clear you, know, you must get to a place where you can deal with them and it's very much an evolution of that frightening nature of the, you know, the first night where anything can happen and they could fuck, fuck around with you in this sort of way and I think to stuff like The Long Dark which is more about surviving the elements themselves rather than any creatures necessarily and I mean that's one of the most brutal I find in, yeah. in terms of survival games because it is just like yeah, you are fucked for a minute one, and if you, you <laughs> don't get on top of it, it's going to swallow you whole. And yeah, weirdly into that, you know, it, it's, it, I think those sort of absolutes make it for me. I like playing certain um, games like that, that in that genre, where they you can turn a lot of the stuff off, like the monsters and stuff, and just sort of travel these empty spaces. Yeah. Like um, I think of Thirteen Days to Die, which is generally shite, sort of. <laughs> game you know it's like a sub daisy sort of thing walking around without the monsters on and sort of extending the day and walking around this sort of really scummy horrible empty world has this strange appeal to me where you just you feel like more like you're in a Cormac McCarthy's Mm. version of the apocalypse rather than this sort of video game apocalypse and you know I remember reviewing the game at the time saying that as much as I don't really care for the game as it is, you know, I really found a way to enjoy it this different way. And it, it's remarkable in that regard. I think there's a lot of interpretation to be had in different survival games. You, know, and you can play them one way, but you can also play them another way. There's a flexibility, like I was saying, there's a sandbox nature to these games that even when they had their own tight set of rules, more of them have sort of allowed for little caveats here and there where you can change things and make it a bit fresh and exciting. You know, I think that, that, that's another way of doing it. Yeah, and I think that would kind of like to what you're speaking about, like it's the malleability of survival in general, where whether it be the settings and things like that, where you can really hmm. have it so a game caters to your preferred experience. Like you can explore this and worry about survival, but. I don't want to worry about monsters and things like that. So it might be, I don't even know if I would say it's less of a heightened experience because you still have to worry about surviving, which is the bare hmm. 
the bare bones sort of like core of a survival game is just surviving, yeah. which sounds simple. But when you're playing something like uh, The Long Dark, I mean, that game is incredibly intense. And uh, it, like you said, if you have one little fuck up, then the whole thing, that whole run can just fall apart almost instantly. At the same time, you have something like The Forest, which is obviously cannibal monsters and all these things. It's much more horror focused. But at the same time, it's very true to that core experience of you're being hunted. You have to kind of avoid these monsters or you have to try to find this makeshift survival plan that can fall apart at any moment. Just because mm. like, unlike in Minecraft, where if you make that sort of temporary door where it's like, okay, you've got a block in front of you, it's just so that way they can't run at you, but you can still see them, right? They're never yeah. The zombie is never going to be able to get through that. The spider's never going to be able to get through that. But in the forest, the monsters can crash through a wall if you make it so that you have to really kind of like evolve your survival strategy and whatnot on the fly sometimes. And so that is a much more heightened survival. And of course, that's more of a hor survival horror uh, experience. But the long dark, I mean, just trying to stay warm, that in, a, mm -hmm. in and of itself or staying fed or hydrated, those are all things that I think carry a certain amount of tension, much like that experience I just detailed in the forest. But it's different. It's maybe it's the version of survival horror for people that are not necessarily super into monsters or things like that. But it's just as terrifying, at least for me, something like sitting through uh, watching Into the Wild, right? It's about a yeah. kid that gets lost and whatnot. And then seeing how that process is actually terrifying and how it is a slow death in a lot of regards. And I always draw from sources of past movies or books or novels and things like that when I'm playing these types of games, because you're really making your own story and it's yeah. just as harrowing each and every time, but for different reasons. And I think that something like The Long Dark is a really great example of formulating your own narrative in a world that has a couple indications of what is going on, why this is the yeah. sort of the way it is. But it never obviously, or actually I haven't played the, I believe that they've done an update that includes like challenges yeah. or something that has a little more story narrative to it. Yeah, there, there is, um, there are narrative areas to it okay. if you want to do that, but uh, you can play it without really ignoring that as well. Yeah. I mean, even if you play through it and you ignore those bits, you're crafting your own narrative and the mechanics are there to back it up. So that way you have runs that can be defined by very specific things. Oh, yeah. I get attacked by a wolf. I ended up bleeding out in this cabin or this car I took shelter in. Or just as I was about to die from starvation, I found a car that had one tin of food or something in it. So I ate that. <laughs> and then I was able to go on for another hour or two and continue on the way until I fell off a cliff or something. Like, I think that that game has really great survival mechanics that take something that Minecraft does really well and fleshes it out to a degree that I don't know we've necessarily seen in a lot of other survival games, but sort of just having having the player be fearful of something other than a monster or a boogeyman on an island that yeah. you're on. I think there is something to that that makes this why you see a lot of these mechanics bleed into horror so often as they do. And it's it's just probably one of the most malleable genres in games that I love to see because you can see all of these various experiences that tap into the core root of that, which is, again, just survival, which sounds so mundane, but it's kind of like what our guest... Uh, last week was saying Michael in this term of like this idea that in the right hands, a developer will uh, make even the most mundane memorable in a way that I think can yeah. make something really, really special. Whereas a lesser one will be like, yeah, we're just going to copy and paste what we saw in Minecraft so we can sell a couple extra 
thousand units in Steam while we're in early access or something, but it's the ways in which they take mechanics that have been used from other games and other developers and flesh it out to make it unique to their experience. Yeah, and when we're talking about Forest, the Forest is another one that um, sort of transcends different types of horror because, as I said, isolation is part of it. And again, you can play that game like the long dark if you want and have no enemies and again, and play it like a pure survival in the elements game. But the other side of it is it's one of those stranger in a strange land horror games, you know, where, you know, you have been plonked in this place, you don't know anything about it, you have as much knowledge as the character themselves, mm. which is perfect for horror, you yeah. know, in, in terms of not just the games, in terms of film, you know, going in with the same knowledge puts you on level heading and you kind of, you engage with it more you know, as a result. I think of... Um, this game, I think of uh, Subnautica, for instance, is another one where you know you are crash landing on an alien ocean planet, and while you know you know where oceans to a degree, it's very different, and you have to sort of figure out your limitations. Again, in many similar ways to how it used to be with games like Minecraft, where the initial run is about figuring out how to do things, and then learning exactly what what will kill you. It's just like it's just moments in both of those where you travel to the depths of these worlds, and things become you know you become a lot more vulnerable for different reasons. In the forest, it's you go into those cave systems, and you know depending on how much light you have and how many enemies are around it, it you are very much in the enemy's element. And it, you know in Subnautica, you're always in the enemy's element because you know you're a human being. You cannot swim without the help of all the stuff and can't get deeper. I mean, that game has a literal void, you know, where you can just travel down for thousands of meters if you want and you'll occasionally sort of glimpse these big things going past you. And it's that, for me, someone who's terrified of that in the ocean, it's, you know, a horrid, horrid thing to have. I mean, even um, No Man's Sky does this, you know, where you have though you can jump from planet to planet each planet is an unknown until you get there and some of them do have some truly disturbing things like when they added um you know alien eggs and alien creatures that are hostile to the, throughout the the galaxies you know there's the, basically they're xenomorphs if you will yeah and they show up in all sorts of places and derelicts and it really sort of changes the basic thing but not just that, planets where, you know, the elements themselves will just become immediately hostile, where it's really, really cold, like in, inhumanly cold or stupidly radioactive or like you could be burned to a crisp within minutes if you don't keep topping up your suit. And that is algorithm central it is no out sky. You know, that it's critical as it, it, you know, people were of it because of that and uh, at the beginning where it was like well you're leaving too much to the, the algorithm not enough to the design and how and making it work as a game it's another game where i love that early sort of you know mystery and discovery to things and again it was another game where people were like well what's the point mm. like that and it's like it's an argument as i said it always comes up in this genre where people go what's the point why do you have to bother and it's like what's the point in any game and it's like <laughs> It's like if you want, you know, an ending, a, a conclusion to something, watch a film, read a book. You know, they generally have those. Games don't have to. People play multiplayer games for thousands and thousands of hours without having an, an ending. You know, games aren't 
the same in that regard. You, you are there to have an experience over and over again with different permeations and survival is very much part of that. You know, you are having a fresh experience, you know, if you're lucky and the game's good enough for it each time you play. And that sort of subgenre of that with Stranger in a Strange Land is a big part of that because there are always things you're not quite sure about. You know, the more you play it, the more you get used to that. But occasionally the best ones will still throw something at you that you didn't experience before. You know, just because the simple math of things happening during the game world and your location and where other things' locations are means that you will have this strange moment. None more so, I'd say, than um, a game like Rust, where truly the horror is man, uh, <laughs> as they say, because and literally this time, because the uh, the adversaries are mainly other people. It's right. a game that hits. You know, it feels to me, in terms of survival games, like the perfect connection between what was born from them in Battle Royale, because it's you and a bunch of other people, 100 people, are on an island, you know, coexisting like that. Unlike a regular Battle Royale game, which is literally, you know, you must all kill each other until there's one left. Here it's like only one person can really survive properly on this island because the servers wipe after a while and it's whoever's top at the end of that is the winner, if you will. So it's like a long game version of Battle Royale where it's not to, oh, murder, 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 because people come back, and but they just come back with nothing and have to start again. The idea is to find ways to coexist with people and survive away from the people who are already there and have made it further than you. Um, so, you know, if you join a map, you know, halfway into its time span of a month or so, you know, there are going to be people on that island that have got well-established bases, they've got lots of stuff, you know, difficult crafted weapons that are going to be absolutely deadly to you staying around in your underwear with a rock in your hand like that so it's about then teaming up with other people like you in your situation and hoping that you can all trust each other and the dynamic there is fascinating because you know as much as sure you'll end up in games where you end up getting killed by the first person that sees you as a threat and ironically it is nearly always someone who has more than you that sees you as the threat, um, who has, as I said, your underwear and rocks uh, <laughs> as your only sort of uh, things in the world. And yeah, it, it throws up so many interesting things every time you play a game like Rust. You know, you get to experience um, being one of the big guys and having people come for you. You get to experience the idea of having you know, this thing you see in a lot of uh, zombie apocalypse media where, you know, oh, the, the people group together and then another group comes and attacks them like that it's a very natural thing of that happening in a game like rust where you can form a little community amongst yourselves because you're like the ragtag guys and you want to try and survive together so you help each other you look out for each other build your little houses and then another party who's been doing it a bit longer than you go on a raid and just destroy everything you have <laughs> and it's just like and you plot your vengeance and it goes wrong and it's just magical you know it's it truly feels like a proper survival experience because you lose everything you know the best you can hope for is to sort of stash a box bury it in the ground and you'll have some stuff the next time you start again but even the way the chat is done like you won't necessarily remember who you were with because you all look fairly similar and so that mistrust then could be there again once you play the second time around 
and there's also a very smart voice chat in, in a game like Rust where it's you know when someone's in proximity you know that you'll hear them you know if they've got their mic on like so you can hear people who having conversations necessarily and you can sort of eavesdrop which is perfect, perfect for that kind of world you know Rust is has evolved a little bit since in, in the time it was in early access but it, I truly find it to be the best sort of evolution of that original survival thing using other people. You know, because usually when other people are involved in survival, you know, Daisy was another one that sort of tried that. But nearly you know, 99% of the time, you meet anyone and that's it. You're going to get murdered. And because the novelty has long gone out of just sort of toying with someone and trying to sort of work together. And Russ. Yeah, it just has enough ambiguity where you're sort of like, mm, it could go right. Are you going to trust someone? Right. And that's it. And and you are burned many, many times. <laughs> but, but it's a wonderful experience. That's a fantastic example of crafting your own narrative every time you play it, right? It's mm. funny to me that people complain about these types of games not having a concrete narrative as if there aren't thousands of linear game experiences for, their, for them to have, mm. right? This idea that if you want a linear experience with the finite beginning and a finite ending there is no shortage of those in video game in the medium of video games but i find great and i'm sure you do too based on kind of just the uh our experience with survival games whether they be leaning more in the horror camp or not it's this idea that you're crafting your own narrative and you're going to remember a majority of these because of how many variables the game gives you to play with to the degree where inevitably you're going to have a different outcome every time or at least every other time right you're going to try something new to survive longer or perhaps you're going to try this new technique and hey it might work it might blow up in your face and you're that was a learning experience that was an experience that you'll never forget the first time you had a creeper in minecraft blow up behind you or the first time you encounter one of those massive hordes of uh cannibals inside a cave and you didn't have proper light sources and you're like oh i'll just kind of wander in here and see what's going on and then you get swarmed and you died like that is a very definitive moment that you will not forget when you're playing that yeah. game. And I think it sounds like with Rust, I haven't Rust is one that I haven't played yet, but it sounds like the first time you get backstabbed by somebody that you had a temporary alliance with, that in some way is like this big eye-opening heartbreaker of a moment where it's like, okay, I need I need friendships in this game to survive, but for how long? Never look yeah. at any relationship in this like it is going to be a long-lasting one. And always, maybe next time we go into an encounter, I'll stash a third of my stuff for later when I have to come back but I think that survival games in general are one genre that don't get enough credit for crafting your own narrative something like No Man's Sky I'm right there with you I mean I played probably 60 or 70 hours of the early No Man's Sky before I had all these updates just because I loved exploring this world and sure they reused a lot of assets in the early days for the different environments and things like that but there was just enough randomness to each planet that it Mm. still felt rewarding to explore it to the full degree that I could. Also, a thing that we have to mention in terms of survival games in general, after a while, mechanics will... I mean, granted, there might be one or two outliers, but the survival mechanics can be fairly similar from game to game in a lot of ways, right? I think it's very rare that there are the ones that take the survival mechanics that they saw in a Minecraft or in a Rust or a DayZ and then extrapolate on them in a way that makes it its own experience. There aren't that many mm. of them. There's probably there's a good amount, but I think that again we were talking about oversaturation earlier. But for me, what really makes 
something like No Man's Sky, an experience that I want to keep coming back to is the aesthetic of that game. No other oh, survival yeah. game, I think, looks like that as the same sci-fi universe and the mist and the the sort of cel-shaded graphics and of course that soundtrack, which only got better and better the more they sort of updated oh, the game nah. and things like that. And there is something to wanting to be in a survival world that almost becomes like relaxing. I don't know. I always found that I was I was playing uh, No Man's Sky before I went to bed. Like instead of I would play, I don't know, I had two hours to play a game. I'll play an hour of this intense horror game. And then before bed, I'll fuck around in No Man's Sky for 45 minutes or something. And it's kind of like it's almost the way I feel about uh, sort of like ambient music when I'm writing. I can't listen yeah. to music that has lyrics or anything like that. So I yeah. throw on like <laughs> an ambient track or something, which is some, a majority of the time, it's just like occupying an environment and then having music that goes along with that. And yeah. that's an element that I think something like No Man's Sky and in addition, like uh, The Long Dark do phenomenally well. Long Dark is a little more <laughs> a little more intense than No Man's Sky. Uh, <laughs> it, having to worry about not freezing to death and the like. But I think that that is a big element too of what really helps to and this is not true of only survival games but of making this survival experience one that you actually want to come back to for other reasons than the challenge of just surviving because in reality like that's only going to last for so long i think you really have to be invested in whatever survival games world is just as much as you are in the challenge of surviving because like you said if you've played minecraft for a hundred or a thousand hours i mean you get into a routine that ends up working pretty pretty frequently for you and letting you survive for a while so you have to be coming back to a specific survival game for more than just the resource gatherment uh, aspect of it and the crafting aspect of it yeah very much so uh, just to note the um band behind the soundtrack on the last guy 65 days of static mm. that was all done with math and algorithms just to make this wow. sort of uh, yeah procedurally generated soundtracks which is just insane in itself which again was always something that fascinated me about that whole project that's blowing my mind <laughs> yeah and just like that they make cool music as well so and, then, and you can get that album on spotify i think like as like the bass version of those songs that you find in the game yeah and i think we we're sort of pointing out how it's sort of gone there and how you know you need to do something very particular with a survival game now and i think reason that is so is because as we were sort of alluding to earlier is survival elements have of course found their way into other games and horror games especially again that aren't technically survival games in the traditional sense and sort of taken back that you know it's like it's even when we were talking at the beginning about it being like survival horror plus you know sandbox style survival horror you know, even this year, Resident Evil Village has taken a bit of that in terms of its crafting and things like that. It's, it's had a bit more of that, you know, it's taken back what once was. And, you know, lots of games have done that over the years and been very successful, and it's been a very integral part of that. I mean, one game we've talked about on the podcast is Alien Isolation. You know, and that, that features lots of sort of, uh, you know, build your own stuff and make get makeshift weaponry and do like that it relies heavily on the mechanics that survival genre has uh, made so prominent over the years and of course the the big example is the last of us you know which has its own little crafting thing and makes it you know which a lot of games use crafting now as we said 
But usually you do it in a sub-menu away from the action and you come back in. The Last of Us was used it in a very smart way where you're doing it whilst the game is still going. So, you know, you are, yeah. it keeps up that intensity of, um, you know, on the fly, as we were saying with Alien Isolation. You, you're making stuff as you go. And that, that really kicks in that whole element of, like, you are surviving the situation. Like, so games like that, it's... Um, I think that has led to a lot of later survival games getting this extra special criticism about how they don't have a point, you know, is because you have these big games that have it as a part of them. And obviously they have stories and they have conclusions and that. And I think that ends up being, you know, you are pretty much then in a niche, you know, where it's like you have to sort of appreciate survival games for what they are. You know, and, and that's it. And if you don't, then you're just going to be thinking that every game should be like The Last of Us and you know, has to have this great big sweeping narrative, you know, which is, yeah, that, that's fine for a single player focus game that you finish in 20 hours. As we were just talking about, you know, the, the appeal of a survival game is, you know, how flexible it can be in terms of creating your own moments. Yeah, you know? and that, that really is a rarity in more story focused games you can't do that it is just generally evolving the survival horror using survival games sort of methods that's it yeah i think crafting too is one of those that has probably poached the most Mm. from straight up survival games into horror but it really can't be understated just how important that is to most experience like survival horror experiences in that it gives the player other than having the ability to like craft exactly what you need but it gives the player a certain level of empowerment and it puts their fate in their own hands in a way that I really like that I think it helps gameplay overall in terms of like planting the player and that character into the world they're in more organically as, as or as organic as yeah. you can be in a uh, in a linear experience like that. The idea that you don't have to have like the shotgun in this location and the health pack in that location, like by giving them the resources, it allows the player to prioritize whatever they need in the immediate moment. Yeah. And I think that that's something that really fuels replayability. Like I didn't normally replay a ton of games, but in games like the last of us, I probably played the original last of us like three or four times since it was originally released, just because going back and playing on harder difficulties, it wasn't so much about conserving this ammo drop and that ammo drop. It was more about smartly utilizing my resources and going from beat to beat. Yeah. So it did make certain sections. You want to talk about crafting your own narrative in a narrative linear game. I mean, it made certain portions of the game more memorable than the previous time I yeah. played it. Going back on a second playthrough and playing on a harder difficulty. Sure. The enemies are more difficult. The If it's not a headshot, they can eat more bullets or whatever. There's less resources. In certain instances, it became memorable because, oh, I was scrounging for bullets. Maybe next time I was flush with bullets. So I blew through an area previously that was a pain in the ass before that. I don't know. As somebody that has less and less time to play games and maybe the freedom to replay games that I normally would have and not having the time to allocate to that, it kind of gave me new reason to want to replay things because there was some semblance of a new experience in that game going back and kind of dictate and being in charge and sort of like having a say and well right now I need these specific resources so I'm going to craft this versus something else I don't know there's 
there's something to that that I think the crafting mechanic really does help a lot of linear yeah. games allow the player to have more of a say. It doesn't feel... and that just complements the world in general, right? Because then the world in general is not littered with the sort of like, yeah, there's going to be an ammo dump underneath the stairs yeah. or something like that. These kind of like very old tropes uh, to game design that we're all familiar with and we all uh, recognize the second we see them. So I think that it's not only empowered the player, but it's also allowed game developers to make worlds that feel like they are less game. Yeah. If that's a way to say that. Yeah. I mean, that's a perfect utilization of it. That's what I was saying. It's, um, you know, to have it be integral to the way you're telling a story. And as you said, it gives you that small choices in mm. something that is otherwise relatively straightforward. You know, it's like, you know, not in a case of like, here's all your weapons at once, choose whichever one you want to use. It's a case of like, well, you could craft for this one or this one or this one. And uh, like, you don't know, you know, especially your first time through on a game like that, you don't know what you're going to need. So that immediately changes the dynamic of, certain situations you know should you have made molotov cocktails you know should you have made this and that should you have upgraded this gun you don't know it that first time and in there it is a very much a condensed version of that appeal of survival games where you want to experiment and try different things you you think of i mean i don't know about you but i think of minecraft and i think yeah, and you start again just trying to think, well, if I do this thing differently at the beginning and I, do, I make sure that's out of the way, uh, and then I, maybe I can do this differently. And you know, that goes again with the whole strange, strange land thing where, you know, every time you start, you know, the world is different. You know, it, it, so you don't, you have a familiarity with the, you know, what can be in the world, but not the layout of it. And then, uh, yeah, you know, again, it's a strength that you can't quite replicate in a focused sort of single-player story uh, it, because you know you have to have your narrative beats. You have to visit this area, this area, this area because the story demands it. You can't just go, well, actually, we'll fuck all that all off and go straight to the end. You know, it, it's you know, which is fine. That's that's exactly how it should be. But yeah, you do get these little bites, and I think for a lot of people, maybe that's fine. That's what they want. They like the idea of survival games but they don't want, care for the time investment you know, the people the people that will be there saying I don't see the point uh, of those games don't necessarily hate the idea of survival stuff it's just they don't see why they should do it unless there's like, a real reason to do it and that's why it's, it's slotted in so nicely to games like that you know where you can just sort of have little moments where you've got to make this little choice for yourself and it's not like the choices of old in games where you know it's like your choice is this person dies or that person dies and that's it or like by making this decision it's not like that anymore it's very much a case of like you know you are going to get to the same conclusion but between the start and the end you can make these little choices that tell the story differently you know so it's a thing that sets games apart as we said before, you know, from other media, is like you can have the same overall story, but unlike movies or books or TV shows, like the bits in between will always be different because you approach it differently each time, you know, and that is the wonder of any game like that. I think also in terms of like crafting and seeking out resources, it, I don't know about you, but it makes me want to explore a game's mm. world more so 
which if anything fuels the survival nature. I think in terms of like alien isolation, which we talked about uh, previously on the podcast, the idea that you are the reward in searching environments more and potentially getting killed by the xenomorph is that you get more resources, which potentially will allow you to craft an item that can either be a lure to get it out of an area you want to explore or a sort of like potential uh, save you for, I don't know, 60 seconds when you make a Molotov or a pipe bomb to throw at it. You're never going to be able to kill the Xenomorph, but you get a 30 to 90 second reprieve in terms of scaring it away. It runs away. You can proceed through. And I think that that reward is just as rewarding as sort of the first time in Minecraft that I experimented around and fucked around and found, oh, there's a more convenient way to harvest resources or to fight a creature that comes about or something to that effect. And I think that it's interesting to see certain games latch onto survival elements and to scale that risk versus reward in ways that complement more than just survival. Yeah. I mean, Alien Isolation, I think, is probably one of the most atmospheric games I've ever played, ever. It's one of those games that I think it does such a great job of taking a pre-existing IP and fleshing out a world that you want to explore and you want to experience. And it might be claustrophobic and more linear and confined than something like the world of uh, The Long Dark, but at the same time, it's a world that I want to experience more of and be yeah. in for any period of time without the xenomorph maybe breathing uh, down my neck or puncturing my skull. But it's the type of thing that I think it taps into the same element of like what I love about The Last of Us, where there's such great environmental storytelling. Or if I stumble upon Bat Closet, I get extra resources maybe, but I also might get a bit of like a uh, lore. Yeah. Like I'll find a letter or I'll see somebody wrote something on a wall in blood or something like that. They're little moments, but like you had said, over the course of a 20-hour experience, those little moments add up and they make a significant portion of what I love so much And in terms of storytelling and whatnot. And yeah, those elements are stronger, obviously, in a linear, more narrative-focused experience. But I think that there's a balance there in terms of how different genres adapt the survival aspect of survival games, right? And I think that it's interesting that they're able to take mechanics that have been proven to be beneficial in like straight up survival games that are these open open worlds that can go on forever but they're able to apply it to a narrative setting in a way that it benefits it so it's an experience that doesn't just feel like a carbon copy like you had said the last of us it takes that crafting mechanic and it makes that experience in a lot of ways it's defining for the last of us it's not just another okay you can craft molotovs and health packs and things I think little tweaks to it, and I think that this was the same in isolation, where you have to craft it on the fly. It doesn't pause the menu or anything. And it's the same with uh, A Plague Tale Innocence, I believe, when you're crafting things on the fly. And just as an enemy's running at you, kind of you have that moment where you hold your breath. Am I going to craft it in time before this guy runs up and shanks me? Or am I going to get at the last moment and then whip him in the head with it? And I think that that's an element that really taps into the root of survival which is the most basic description ever you just need to survive and it takes that and applies it beautifully to the specific type of game that you're experiencing and i think that that is the true test of a developer again having a tool in the right hands you are they are able to apply it to their experience in a way that makes that unique and a standout and not just cool you took crafting from minecraft (laughs) it's ways in which they actually employ that that makes sense with that game and it leaves a lasting impression more so than cool imitation. Yeah, that, that's definitely the case. I, I think I'll end with this. Uh, I will say that um, when I think of a game that kind of 
takes a lot of the peril of survival and applies it to a slower paced, more narrative based thing. You know, I would say the recent XCOM games are very good. At, you know, it's you yeah. must research everything to make it. You know, which means you must take down things in the field. So it's a different approach to crafting what you need. You know, you, you kill something in the field for the first time. You can research that. It takes time. That time takes away from you know the time you need to do other things. So you have to make these little decisions to choose what you're going to do in terms of uh, uh, fighting the alien menace. And all the time, the clock is ticking. You know, the aliens are getting more powerful than if the, you don't address that in time they are going to take over the planet and you failed and that's it and then in that as well you make all these things you can make your soldiers so powerful you can get all this good stuff for them from your research and they could be the best soldier you ever had and you and then because of XCOM you know in a single moment one bad decision means everything can go wrong you can lose that soldier forever if you're playing Iron Man mode which is, you know, the optimal way to play the XCOM. And it invests you, as we were saying. It gives you these organic story moments where you can recall a story that is entirely yours, you know, and it, but it fits a story, an actual overall story, which is like, if we don't, don't do this, the aliens win, you know, like that. And in this particular mission, oh, we did this and we were supposed to go and uh, infiltrate this base and plant this charge like that and it went wrong because this guy went there and that happened and he missed his shot and then that thing that happened and he panicked and he shot his own teammate and <laughs> and it can be different every time and even when you know the mechanics of it and you know what could happen the turn-based you know percentage nature of it means that it could go any way each time right. and i just you know this is the first time i've really talked about this on this podcast but and i'm sure we'll at some point do an XCOM based podcast because yeah Absolutely. I fucking love those games but <laughs> it is just so wonderful when you get this and it's a reason why you know for a game like that that has a story has an end point like that but the beauty of that game is it can end early and you fail and yet that is technically an ending you know it's like you know I mean you go from uh, XCOM Enemy Unknown and Within, the ending you actually get by finishing the game isn't even the ending. Because the ending is actually you fucking up and failing. Because XCOM 2 then goes on to be like, yeah, you you didn't do it. That was it. Like, that was just perfect for that series. You know, it's like, it didn't take the actual, oh, yeah, you did it, well done, clap, clap, ending. It took this whole thing where you failed to do what you're supposed to do because the odds were too overwhelming you got too cocky too confident all the pressure got to you whatever and now you've got to start again from scratch and yeah it's just yeah I, I, I said another time I will properly go into that with, with XCOM because I think it has some of the most intense terror in it in a very different way but to, it, to me it's the perfect match of survival elements in a modern game that has a story to tell and yet you can tell the story overall differently in so many ways because of it yeah and because of XCOM's campaign sort of like milestones mm. right there's those main story beats that are unavoidable and unmissable it doesn't get the same criticism as a lot of survival mm. games 
in that regard, right? Because people, because to all the reasons you just highlighted, okay, you can say, okay, there's these very specific starting point and there's an end point to the game. And you never hear that criticism about XCOM. Nobody ever says, well, what's the point? The point is, is that you're always improving the ways in which you survive. You're always finding little shortcuts in terms of like researching and getting those next big weapon upgrades that will ensure a certain level of survival. Nothing is ever sure, especially yeah. in uh, Iron Man mode. And, yeah, uh, yeah, definitely like triggering my XCOM PTSD, <laughs> thinking about all the uh, all the valiant soldiers that I crafted and dumped time into that died. But it definitely is that thing too, where that game is filled with mini risk and rewards mm. every time you leave the base. Yeah. Every single mission, it seems, there's a secondary objective that. Yeah, it's riskier and you might lose people, but at the reward of more resources, more weapons or these different types of things. And I think that that funnels all of the core elements of survival games into this really uh, the most unexpected place of a turn-based strategy Hmm. game. Um, And I think that it's obviously not the only game to ever do elements like that, but it's the one that I think we definitely both agree has refined it to being its own identity in a way that takes inspiration from lots of other things but XCOM is XCOM and I think that we've definitely seen lots of other games talk about oversaturation that have tried to mimic the XCOM experience whether it be a new setting or new abilities and whatnot and it never comes close to touching XCOM because XCOM takes the core of survival games and really builds off of those in the best ways possible with that fantastic world and alien design and whatnot yeah that's said for another day that one uh, because yeah, I would just spend the second. <laughs> we'd have we'd have an hour here at least. Um, so yeah, that that was our talk on survival games. You know, that, that's I think we still very much quite appropriately t- barely scratched the surface of what there is and what can be done in that genre, especially where horror is concerned. There may well be other things you you out there think that might be appropriate to that and so you know if you, if you think there's something we missed by all means you know you, you know where to comment on the old twitter and that so please do <laughs> and tell us your own survival experiences that sort of made it memorable too or why maybe even you don't get on the survival games and, and we'll see how it goes but in the meantime uh thank you jay for letting me take the reins on this one and uh we shall see you for the next episode very soon absolutely thanks again guys for listening Thank you for listening to another episode of Safe Room. Please consider following and rating the show on your preferred podcast platform. And for updates on the show, follow us on Twitter at Safe Room Pod. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you guys next week.